0: com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayerlist 2020 at gmail.com
1: Good evening everyone. Welcome again to our Wednesday evening podcast we're glad that you're able to join us. Remember last week we started with three Old Testament prophecies predicting the crucifixion of the Messiah And we had covered Psalm 22. Verses 12 through 18. And we have two others that we want to look at tonight Isaiah chapter 52. And we'll be uh, reading several verses from chapters 52 and through verse 12 of 53. And then Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10. That one verse of Scripture has uh, a prophecy that we're also going to be looking at tonight that is going to be evidence that they understood or that they had uh, given scriptures about the coming of the Messiah and what he was going to go through as he came and died on a cross so Isaiah 52 and we'll begin reading with verse 13 and we'll be reading through chapter 53 and verse 12 so a fairly lengthy reading but It all deals with the coming of Christ. So if you would, listen to me, and uh, we'll read these verses of Scripture. Isaiah 52, beginning with verse 13. This offers one of the uh, the, uh, most profound prophecies in the entire Old Testament. And remember now as we read this, it was written over 700 years before Christ's death and resurrection. And it says see my servant will act wisely he will be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted just as many were appalled at you his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man and his form did not resemble a human being so he will sprinkle many nations Kings will shut their mouths because of him, for they will see what he had not been to- what had not been told them, and they will understand what they had not heard, who has believed what we have heard, and who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? He grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. he didn't have an impressive form majestic majesty that we should look at him no appearance that we should desire him he was despised and rejected by men a man of suffering who knew what sickness was he was like someone someone people turned away from he was despised and we didn't value him yet he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains but we in turn regarded him stricken Struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions. Crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him. And we we are healed by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter, and like a sheep silent before her shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of opposition and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. They made his grave with the wicked. And with a rich man at his death although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully yet the Lord was pleased to crush him severely when you make him a restitution offering he will see his seed he will prolong his days and by his hand the Lord's pleasure will be accomplished he will see it out of his anguish and he will be satisfied with his knowledge my righteous servant will justify many and he will carry their iniquities therefore I will give him the many as a portion and he will receive the mighty as spoil because he submitted himself to death and was counted among the rebels yet he bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels Father, we thank you tonight for the reading of your word. Help us tonight that we might understand very clearly what you're telling us as we think about the crucifixion in the Old Testament. Again, Father, we ask your blessings on those that are listening tonight. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some have argued that this passage that we've just read refers to Israel. But in the context, that explanation makes little sense. Isaiah clearly says in verse 8 of chapter 53, He was stricken because of my people's rebellion. That is, he. And that stands in contrast to Israel, Isaiah's people. In the next verse, Isaiah says, They made his grave with the wicked, and with a rich man at his death, although he had done no violence, and had not spoken deceitfully. It can't be said of Israel that there was no deceit in his mouth. On the other hand, Jesus was crucified between two thieves, Mark 15 verse 27 tells us, and yet was buried in the grave of Joseph of Arimathea, a wealthy man who had enough standing to go ask Pilate for Jesus' body. And this is in Mark 15, verses 43 through 46. In Isaiah 53:10, we get a hint of the resurrection of Christ. Because after his soul is made a restitution offering, the Bible calls it here, he will then prolong his days. In the end, Isaiah saw in verse 12 that God would reward His righteous servant counted among the rebels, but not one Himself. He will receive the mighty as spoils because He submitted Himself to death and was counted among the rebels. Yet He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels the Bible is telling us here that our Redeemer lives. In the oldest book in the Bible, in fact, the book of Job, written before Moses, written before the Pentateuch, he prophesied from an ash heap where he was suffering and declared in Job 19, verses 25 and 26, But I know my living Redeemer and he will stand on the dust at the last even after my skin has been destroyed yet I will see God in my flesh. Now let's think about the Passover for just a moment. Prophecies are just the beginning of this as we look at what the Bible has to say about the Passover Exodus chapter 12 verses 1 through 28 gives the instructions for the Passover it describes that feast remember Jesus celebrated the Passover with these disciples the day before his rest trial and crucifixion the Passover was set up as a type of Christ did you know that? one that gave the Hebrews an understanding of the use of the perfect lamb as a sacrifice, the blood of which would protect those under it from the wrath of God, the angel of death. The Jews were to prepare the feast by removing all the leaven from their homes, symbolic of removing sin from our lives. Remember that this was given in Egypt prior to them being led out and the death of the firstborn. And the Israelites were told to put the blood around their door. And this would be seen by the death angel as it passed through the land and those under the blood would not be touched by death. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in his scholarly writings tells us in 1st Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 clean out the old yeast so that you may be a new batch you're indeed unleavened for Christ our Passover has been sacrificed and then let us look a little closer at that pure spotless lamb that was to be the sacrifice in the Passover Peter describes how we are saved by the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without defect or blemish in 1 Peter 1.19. John the Baptist understood this. He understood that Jesus was fulfilling the Levitical system of blood sacrifice and in John 1.29, John said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A fulfillment of Leviticus chapter 8 and 9 that tells about that Lamb of God Jesus was the true spotless lamb whose blood takes away sins the sacrifice of bulls and goats could never take away sin as the writer of Hebrews notes in verses 4 and 5 of chapter 10 and that's a quote by the way of psalm 40 verse 6 and it says for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin therefore as he was coming into the world he said you do not want sacrifices and offerings but you prepared a body for me the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for the sins of humanity was not an afterthought with God it was always the plan from the very beginning Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, from the NIV, calls Jesus the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Throughout the law and the prophets, God revealed His eternal plan of redemption to mankind. In advance, He described the sacrifice and resurrection of the Messiah. It was a plan that had been purposed before that he was going to give Jesus as a sacrifice and he was going to be resurrected. It was a plan he had before he even formed humanity. And then accomplished it through Jesus, as we said. And now we have the victory forever. Praise the King. That's what we would read in the uh, Old Testament and the New Testament. Isaiah 25 verse 8 says, He will destroy death forever. The Lord God will wipe away the tears from every face and remove His people's disgrace from the whole earth. For the Lord has spoken. (laughs) Today, most people of the Jewish faith don't believe in a suffering Messiah who personally bears the sins of humanity. They generally believe that he is merely a human being, a heroic person who will restore Israel and bring in an era of perfect peace for all the earth. Now, I believe he will indeed do that, but he's going to do both things. He is much more than a mere mortal in contrast to the idea, the standard application of Isaiah 53 that the Jews are looking at during and after the time of Jesus was that the suffering servant dying on the, for the sins of the world was what Isaiah was talking about. The Targum, a first century Aramaic paraphrase of the Hebrew Old Testament, clearly states that a suffering Messiah is the subject of Isaiah 53. The Jewish book of mysticism, Zohar, and the Jewish prayer book, the Yom Kippur, likewise show Isaiah 53 as a messianic song of a suffering Savior. It was not until the Middle Ages that the shift occurred in the Jewish understanding of this passage. The rabbis, under the leadership of Solomon Yitzchitzit, also known as Rashis, called one of the greatest medieval rabbis, began teaching that the subject of Isaiah 53 is not an individual Messiah, but rather the whole nation of Israel. The first reason may seem to have some expository reasoning behind it. Isaiah 49 begins with an individual speaking, but in verses 3, the subject calls himself Israel. This is the only time in any of the four servant songs, the subject is called Israel. We shouldn't have any difficulty in calling the Messiah Israel because he is the personification of all of Israel. For example, the Gospels portray Jesus as perfectly obeying God's will wherever Israel fails. Also Isaiah 49 verses 5 and 6 shows this Israel restoring the nation back to God. Only the Messiah can do such a thing. As we look at Isaiah 52 in our text a moment ago we see that none of this fits the nation of Israel as a whole but it does perfectly fit one and only one person from history. While we look at the last few verses of Isaiah 52, we see someone who is prosperous, high, lifted up, and greatly exalted. All of these things describing this individual. Yet his disfigured face amazes the crowd, verse 14 tells us. His sacrificial work is alluded to in verse 15, where the prophet says the servant will sprinkle many nations. This is similar to the priestly cleansing of sins found in Leviticus 4 verse 6 and in 14 verse 7. But probably refers to the permanent cleansing of the new covenant that Ezekiel chapter 36 talks about. Now back to chapter 53. It opens with a sterling description of the Messiah. He is parched, despised, forsaken. The Messiah's purpose is explained in verses 4 and 5, a substitutionary sacrifice for the sins of mankind. Here Isaiah compares our sins with disease. The Messiah will bear our sickness. He will be stricken. Stricken with a plague or disease, the word is saying. And struck down by God. Just as lepers were cursed and separated from the people because of their disease, so the Messiah would be cursed and separated from God on our behalf. He would be crushed under the physical weight of the cross, and the spiritual weight of our sin, Isaiah clearly states in verse five that he was pierced because of our transgressions. This piercing certainly parallels the piercing we see in Psalm 22, verse 16, that we looked at last week. Verses six through nine shows what would, without protest, the Messiah went to the, to his death that we all deserve surely the details of this portion could not fit with the entire nation of Israel when did Israel suffer oppression without protest even in World War II numerous Jews partisan groups fought the Nazis and protested what was going on there in Germany when was Israel buried in a borrowed tomb of a rich man no less. Israel, or any other nation, could never call itself sinless, as verse 9 does. And in no way could that nation, or any other, qualify to die for a sinful human race. Someday, I would challenge you to do this. Take this passage of Isaiah and read it to some unsuspecting, unbelieving friend. Ask them, who in history do they think that this is talking about? More than likely, they're going to answer Jesus. And then tell them that it was written some 700 years before He was born. See how they respond. And then I'd like for us to look at Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, for just a few moments. The last one that we'll look at tonight as we look at the prediction of a crucified Messiah. Zechariah 12 verse 10 says, Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the house of David and the residents of Jerusalem, and they will look at me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. And weep bitterly for him as one weeps for a firstborn. In this passage from the 6th century before Christ, Yahweh is speaking through his prophet Zechariah about a future day in which he will break into the human history, judge the world, rescue his people Israel, and bring in everlasting righteousness. He is predicting a future earth-shaking event known throughout the Old Testament as the day of the Lord. This day is a time of great tribulation, a time of rescue, and a time of restoration. In the middle of this lengthy prophecy, verse 10 is given that we just read. Yahweh is telling Israel, They will look on me whom they pierced. They will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child, And weep bitterly for him as one weeps for the firstborn. Let's look at this one thing at a time. First of all, Yahweh, the God of Israel, is speaking. And he tells his people that at some great cataclysmic moment, his people in Jerusalem will look up to him and begin mourning. He actually says that they will look on him whom they pierced. Yahweh is pierced. Yes, that's what it's saying. The Hebrew word here is dakar. And curly means pierced, as with a weapon. How can you pierce Yahweh? He is a spirit, right? You can't pierce a spirit unless he becomes a man. And that is exactly what happens at Bethlehem. Yahweh, God the Son, left heaven and was incarnate as a man, sinless human being on the earth. And this sinless God-man, Jesus, the Messiah of Israel, went to the cruel Roman cross to pay the debt that we could never pay. His death perfectly satisfied the righteous demands of a holy God, and forever atoned for the sins of all who would believe in Him. The Apostle John, standing at the foot of the cross, paraphrased this from Zechariah 12.10 and applies it directly to the crucifixion of Jesus in John 19, verse 37. Zechariah 12.10 ends with a curious phrase. And they will mourn for him as one mourns for an only child. In the first half of the passage, Yahweh says, Me whom they pierced. And then it seems to refer to someone else. Why the switch in pronouns? This is not uncommon in the Old Testament. If we look at Isaiah 48, verses 15 and 16, there you see Yahweh referring to himself in the first person and then quickly switches to referring to himself in the third person. The New Testament reveals that God is a Trinity and this helps us to understand that within the one true God there are three eternal persons who are at work together to bring about the salvation of his people. The death of Jesus was not a cosmic accident It was not just another death for some mystical martyr from the Roman world. It was the fulfillment of a very specific prophecy given by God. Uh, uh, It was recorded by His faithful prophets and believed on as the only hope of salvation by millions for the past 20 centuries. As we think about Jesus dying on the cross, And we'll celebrate the resurrection this coming Sunday. We see the prophecies in the Old Testament. We didn't cover all of them. We didn't look at all that's written. But we're able to see that these things are talking about Jesus so many years ago, prior to Him coming, and were fulfilled completely, exactly, in His death on the cross. Father, thank you for this study, that we're able to look at the Old Testament and see Jesus proclaimed, see Jesus taught as the Messiah coming to take away the sin of the world. I pray, Father, that if there are those listening who have never believed in Him, that they might do that. They would trust Him as their personal Savior. And thank you for your blessings. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 64386541. Email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to List 2020 at gmail.com. .com Thank you and God bless